and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. Joining me for this incredible dive into the fantastic show Futurama, it is a returning guest to the podcast. He is host of the brilliant podcast, Not Just For Kids, it's Russell Bailey. Russell was an absolute delight to have back on the podcast, and what a topic he brought back with him. Futurama is one of those shows that personally I absolutely adore and Russell and I really get to dive into what it is that makes this show work. From its high concept setting to its memorable characters, powerful and emotive episodes and themes, there's just so much to get into in this episode. Since it is another episode where we're doing sitcoms, you can expect a healthy dose of clips as well, sprinkled in for good measure. So, Without further ado, let's just get straight into the episode. This is Futurama with Russell Bailey. Hello, Russell, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me back on. It's great to come back on to talk about another TV show. Yeah, and it's one that I was hoping would be brought up, actually, because <laughs> honestly, not that long ago, actually, it was the 50th episode of this podcast. It was The Simpsons, and uh, that was a ton of fun. Sophie was an amazing guest, and it's just one of those things of like, yeah, it's The Simpsons. Of course, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. But in the back of my head afterwards, I was like, I'd love to do Futurama as well. I feel like it's it's like the forgotten child of, of Matt Groening in a way, and I know he's done other stuff. We can talk about it as well, but yeah, it's to sort of stick on Futurama then, like, what was your introduction to it? When did you first see this? Um, so I guess before it, I was a fan of The Simpsons in the way that all kids were in the 90s. They would get a couple of episodes on BBC Two. You get those like DVD or VHSs of some episodes. So it wasn't that I'd seen all The Simpsons, but I liked the style. And yeah. then I remember, I think Channel 4 had the first couple of seasons of Futurama, or at least the first series. And so I watched it when it premiered on Terrestrial TV and I was quite excited about it because what I'd heard sounded great, what I'd seen about yeah. it, it, it they, they did like a hype for it. They like I remember doing like an entire um, almost evening dedicated to this new show because, you know, new show by the guy behind The Simpsons. The Simpsons was at that point a bigger cultural phenomenon than it is now. It's, it's, it's still like we all know what The Simpsons is. Back then, yeah. in the 90s, when this came out, Simpsons was huge and then Futurama came along and yeah I watched the first episode and I watched definitely the first four seasons right up to the point where it was cancelled and we'll probably get into the mm. the journey the show has been on but yeah I watched yeah. it quite religiously up to that point and then I've watched it sporadically since and then uh, at the start of this year before I contacted you one of your past guests, Matt Brothers, his spotlight yeah. did an episode on the Star Trek episode of of Futurama. That's right. Yeah. And I was like, ah, Futurama. I love that show. And so I decided to watch it all from the start <laughs> all the way through. And I watched everything that I hadn't seen, everything I'd seen right up right. until the end point, just because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? I, I agree. It's, it's one of those shows that it's funny because like you said, The Simpsons is just... You know, it's we've talked about it. It's just one of those staples of pop culture. Yeah. You know, it's it's a part of most of our childhoods, and even so now, you know, because it's all on Disney Plus, so people hold new generations onto it. But yeah, you're right. Futurama. It was sort of an interesting one. I've just pulled up the dates as to when it first came out. So it first aired. It says here in 1999. Yeah, 
like the first two seasons actually in the same year like they've really doubled down on it and <clears throat> i don't personally remember that because i would have been five <laughs> oh you're younger than me oh um, i was i know i know this comes up a lot on this show <laughs> i was 11 was i 11 right. or was i 10 no i was 10 yeah. when it premiered and so okay. it's kind of that window of like going from kids shows into like yes. teen shows and this along mm. with like south park and the simpsons and ren and the stimpy were kind of like the first mm. shows of that era to kind of become more about older teens old like teenagers and adults could watch their shows and there's more in it right. for them like i wouldn't show my kids who trauma i showed them the simpsons because <laughs> yeah. there's still yeah. some stuff of the simpsons that feels slightly family friendly at times yes but yes. not futurama <laughs> No, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, Futurama does feel like, in many ways, definitely a step up, as you say, into that more sort of adolescence. And yeah, because the, the season four here, it says it ended in 2002. So I think that would have been around the time I would have seen a few episodes mm. on TV. And I think, yeah, between that and it coming back in 2008, I think I just would have seen it on reruns. You know, it was endlessly on like Sky and various different services. And Yeah, I think it's um, always been... There's always been a TV channel that'll be showing it at some point. It's always had yes. a sort of rerun quality, which has kind of fostered this uh, appreciation of it. And like, so mm. it's not been on TV for nine years, but like had that yeah. initial four season run, went away for five years, came back with four straight to DVD films and now their own mm. season on Disney Plus. Mm. And then I think it was Hulu or someone else picked it up and did another couple of seasons that kind of it ran for another three years mm. uh, and kind of was a quite similar to it was before in terms of the style of the kind of episodes it was. It kind of felt like a return back to what it had been before after that brief gap of doing longer form narrative, which yeah probably didn't work quite so well for it. But yeah, like it's had quite a journey. Yeah, it really has. It's something that, I've talked about actually in some recent episodes it's I kind of love talking about the return of it that it was something that my understanding is it was very much a fan backed kind of thing where like you say these movies came out it was on tv a lot and it was basically the call of the fans kind of going like we want this back and you know buying up the box sets the dvds the movies and just giving people whoever was in charge and fox a bit of an incentive to go wow actually there's money to be made here we should probably re restart this program again and i love that i love when fans yeah. get behind something in pop culture and they resurrect it because it doesn't happen that often so when it does it's just oh it's, it's a beautiful thing to see yeah no not all not all fan campaigns work but some of them do like this like family yeah. guy like arrested development and yeah you can discuss the quality that then comes thereafter but sometimes the fans get what they want like I mean, we've never got Firefly back. Which I was just about to say, yeah, sometimes it's a Firefly situation. Given yeah. where you know, the creative behind that has gone since, I think it's probably yeah. best that I can just have that as a as a thing over there in the corner and, and it can just be Hard agree. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the movie was pretty good. It, it's fine. Yeah, the movie's fine. It. And like, yeah. it's... Frankly, there aren't any that many stories around that show, but yeah. Yeah. How things have progressed on that front. <laughs> True, true. And so far, Matt Groening hasn't been cancelled, so we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard no stories about Matt Groening. Yeah. Um, I think he's yeah. quite, has simple needs in, in a way that, yeah. yeah, he just wants to make his shows. He's obviously done Disenchanted after this, which yeah. is still going, I think. I watched a couple I, of seasons of it. It's yeah. all right. 
Yeah, it was on Netflix, wasn't it? It was like a straight. Yeah, it's Netflix one of the thing. Netflix ones that you kind of the opposite of Futurama. It's medieval sort of fantasy yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, fair enough. I guess I thought it was all right. But something that kind of stood out to me when I first started watching Futurama is it a thing a thing it kind of ties into The Simpsons is we've talked about it, you know, this the Simpsons where it started to run into problems, whereas, you know, it's they have to kind of stick within the sandbox of Springfield and the family. And I think for many people, when it felt like it started to fall off the rails is when it was trying to go too big and it would try mm. and make these big leaps and stories and kind of like, oh, this doesn't feel as grounded or as fun anymore. And it just felt a little bit like it, it was jumping the shark. Whereas a sensible thing, I think, about Futurama and setting it in the year 3000 and like just is that it could clearly embrace some of the creative teams more just crazy out there ideas absolutely like, yeah it can they could go crazy it, it could go wherever they wanted with it really yeah i agree and like because so obviously our our, our foundation our root into this world is someone from the 90s it is mm. jay fry who is frozen at the turn of uh, on the on new year's yeah. eve and awakes a thousand years later and so he is out of time but also kind of fits in the world he's ended up in and we get to go mm. in through him and he has a lot of enthusiasm for the future. He's a lot of enthusiasm for the world he's in because it's all new for him. And yeah. that's like this really great like center point for the show. And then, as you say, it can go mm. wherever it wants. It can do whatever it wants and it can explore whatever ideas it wants to. And it does explore lots of sci-fi tropes and ideas within its own confinement. And it's not like The Simpsons is a fairly rigid sitcom for a lot of its time. Mm. And yes, it does. Uh, sometimes expand out into other places and becomes like they meet famous people and become friends of mm. famous people or it's about yeah someone from youtube punching homer and that fine but like within <laughs> yeah. within the world right, of future right. like i watched the premiere the the pilot mm. about 20 minutes ago i watched it right before our chat oh, cool um and it's like mm-hmm. all that kind of like craziness is set up fairly early on yeah, and all this idea that there will be potentially famous people in it is set up fairly early on because even when the pilot we meet this, so one of the ideas of Futurama is that famous dead people's heads are in jars. You can talk to yeah. them, and <laughs> nightmarish idea than it would be to be an eternity spent in a jar. But you get Leonard Nimoy, and you get yeah. this immediate huge sci-fi icon comes in, does a great cameo. There's a great joke about ask if I ask him to do the hand thing and he says, I don't do that mm. anymore and all that stuff. But it's immediately fairly early <laughs> on setting up that we might get famous people in to the show. And it feels yeah. that it's giving itself permission to expand out in the way that The Simpsons has struggled to expand out. That it's mm. saying we can do crazy things. We can have crazy ideas like people being frozen in time. Like the fact that New York is on top of itself, so that they're in New, yeah. New York and New York is below them, and all this other stuff is in there. And there's spaceships and there's relatives that are your nephew, but many, 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 many generations away, and they're older than you, and all this other stuff. It's like you're being bombarded in 20 minutes with ideas, and that's yeah, it's giving itself permission to do what it wants thereon, yeah. And it's, I think, richer for it, you know, it just immediately sets that premise up. and it's off and you can just have fun. I feel like it just sort of slots right in. And yeah, I, it, like you say, something that is able to nicely carry over as well from the Simpsons is this idea of parody. Yeah. You know, when we talked about on that episode, how like that slowly slipped into just, you know, celebrity of the week and it sort of stopped being 
like yeah. fun parody yeah. ideas whereas i felt like this they could have a bit more fun i mean to talk about what you just referenced a minute ago with the star trek episode it's like a really fun idea of that you know this giant I remember correctly wasn't it like some sort of space cloud it's or like a cloud like kid, and kidnaps a bunch of the cast and tries to reenact a star trek episode yeah and it's <laughs> a, they're set, it's in the future star trek is banned because star trek yeah had become a cult <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they they um kill all the star trek fans in this episode in a flashback by throwing them in a volcano and saying he's dead jim and then we get <laughs> most of the cast back of star trek and it's yeah it's great at like putting in like those kind of cameos by the 23rd century, Star Trek fandom had evolved from a loose association of nerds with skin problems into a full-blown religion. And Scotty beamed them to the Klingon ship, where they would be no tribble at all. All power to the engines! As country after country fell under its influence, world leaders became threatened by the movement's power. And so the Trekkies were executed in the manner most befitting virgins. He's dead, Jim. Ah! He's dead, Jim. Ah! He's dead, Jim. Finally, the sacred texts were banned. The last copies of the 79 episodes and six movies were dumped on the forbidden world Omega-3, along with that blooper reel where the door doesn't close all the way. There's, um... This wonderful episode where Bender goes to hell. Oh, no, where Bender like finds religion, then goes to hell, and the Beastie Boys are there yeah. at the start giving a concert, and they're brought back in at the end for a song. And it's it's that kind of like, of course mm. the Beastie Boys would be here because you know the nineties was about the Beastie Boys, and so yeah, Fry would love the Beastie Boys, and as we've learned, nostalgia just lasts forever. So yeah, so, like, the Beastie Boys would come back. Yeah, exactly. It can play around in that wheelhouse of, of parody and guest appearances, but yeah, like you say, it feels earned, and it yeah. feels like something that it, it can still it can still work and still be quite fun. Uh, yeah, I just remember loving the show, and 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 I mean, just to sort of talk about the cast for a minute, it's it's another one where very similar to The Simpsons, you know, it's got a really great talented voice cast. Um, I mean, straight away, I, I think of like Billy West as being incredible. Yeah, you know, do, doing Philip Fry and Farnsworth at the same time, and like Zoidberg and all these sort of really iconic characters. Absolutely, yeah. if, uh, Billy West is an icon of all voice acting. Like, because he was on Ren and Stimpy, and when they fired the creative behind it, he became Ren or Stimpy. He was Stimpy, and then he became Ren and Stimpy in this, this yeah. second half of that. And he pops up in stuff. And yeah, in this, he is like. As you say, he's Philip J. Fry, but he's also playing uh, Farnsworth. He's playing Zoidberg. He <laughs> plays Zach Brannigan. And Zach Brannigan was almost not a character in it because it was written for Phil Hartman, who... Uh, yeah, that's right. Like, the story that's about that is like, he got murdered yeah. in the 90s and um, they were going to cut this character out. But thankfully they didn't because Zach Brannigan is hilarious. He's a great, great character. And there's always some of the best episodes when he pops up uh, this kind of like wonderful, toxic man who is like representing the might of the military but he's an utter idiot and he thinks he's like gorgeous and sexy but he's also you know just kind of repugnant and one of my favorite things is when he's crying because he said champagne wrong he's called it champagne in i think the first <laughs> episode he's in <laughs> um, oh god i'm pathetic sorry just go you want the rest of the champagne no and it's pronounced champagne Oh, God, no! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Billy West, every single time he's there, giving a great, great performance. 
and like Zoidberg is one of the great characters that they've created and he is heartbreaking and funny and ridiculous mm. all wrapped in one. That's kind of what the show does. Mm. It does funny, heartbreaking, and ridiculous all wrapped in on itself. That's kind of its MO. And yeah. Yeah. No, Billy West, great. And then yeah, obviously you get Kate Sagel. Katie Sagel is uh Leela. Yeah. Uh, John DiMaggio is Bender and he so this is coming back. Futurama is coming back next year, we're told. And uh John yeah was the last holdout and he is coming back. So, mm. but I can't imagine the show without like those kind of actors in it, without Leela and yeah. Bender being voiced by the right people. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's iconic. I mean, Bender, like you say, Bender, Leela and Fry, you could argue like the main three characters. Yeah. Like either any one of those missing, you just, it would feel wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, so much of what is the heart and the narrative of the show is, around yeah. their journeys it's around what they go through i mean i make it sound like it's like this narrative heavy show it's most of the time it's just antics in space in time and space like that's what the show is for the most part is antics in time and space but like yeah you kind of need philip fry because there is that both excitement that he's someone new in this time but also tragedy that comes into some episodes and that he is a man ripped mm. from the time he was in like there's yeah a really good later episode where he has to go back into his memories to find out some reason why the world is going to end. And so all he wants to mm. do in that is talk to his mum one last time and he can't yeah. because he's getting interrupted by the the plot, essentially by the, the threat mm. of the day. Um, and like Leela has, initially she believes she's an alien from another planet, but mm. there's no one left of her race. And so she doesn't know her parents don't know any of that. And it plays a lot of the first trench of episodes play on that idea for her. And yeah, Bender's probably slightly less complicated. Like any of his kind of <laughs> existential <laughs> angst or anything that's troubling him is kind of for the episode. Like the great thing yeah. about Bender is he goes fairly quickly back to being Bender, to being uh, rude and uh, obnoxious mm. and hilarious. But the way he's played is so funny and mm. it is those sweet endearing moments that feel out of character. But once you've watched as I have every episode and he does yeah. it four or five times, like, Oh no, this is just a nice, there's a nice side to him. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they established that quite early on, you know, like even when he first meets Fry, he kind of puts on this kind of bravado and like he's out for himself and he doesn't care about anyone and all this sort of stuff, but they become friends quite quickly. And yeah, like, he, he, he clearly has a soft spot for him, you know. Man, it's a total sty. For the first time in a thousand years, I feel like I'm home. Yeah, it's going to be fun on the bun. You know, Fry, of all the friends I've had, you're the first. Oh, yeah, and there's like episodes where they're, they clearly are, uh, he clearly loves Fry in the way yeah. that one loves a best friend. And there's episodes where he's like torn apart because he can't be a fry. There's one fairly early on yeah. where they move into an apartment and his antenna messes around with the TV. Um, mm. And, and he is like, he's so one of the funny things about robots is they have to drink. And if they stop drinking, they basically yeah. act like when we're drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he stops drinking and becomes a mess. And um, yeah. yeah, there's a sweetness to Bender, but also why I love him is because he's, you know, he's Bender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's that kind of side character that, like you said, can always have these adventures, but they can always come back to to home base, and it's fine. It doesn't necessarily change too many things. Yeah, um, it's he's not 
really the one that pushes forward the narrative in any real way. I mean, it's oddly enough, this has kind of a, I'd say a pretty good will they, won't they is buried in mm-hmm. this story as well, which I thought was quite interesting watching through. Um, and I, I got the sense actually from a couple of seasons that I don't even know if the writers knew where they were going with it at times, because yeah, it's obviously talking about the romance between Fry and, and Lilo, and it does at times feel like it's just doomed from day one, but then other yeah. times it's like a kindred spirit and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I could see this going either way. Yeah, they kind of, I guess because they keep getting cancelled, it kind of gets close to wrapping up the romance, yeah. but then has to pull it back. And by the last time it comes back to so the third time we get a block of episodes, it feels like they've just kind of got this nice place where occasionally they'll talk about it, but for the most part, they're kind of happy to live as more than friends, but less than a couple. And then by the, by the final episode, the final episode is the second half is like, uh, the world stops in time bar for those two. And they just go through their life together. And it's quite a romantic wrapping up. In fact, would be the perfect way to end their story because yeah, you know, if that is the last episode, then it, it wraps it up. They go through and they decide to, they have the choice by um, Farnsworth to come back and do it all again through mm. the magic of science. And they do that. So they've lived their life as a couple and they go back mm. to a certain point in time. Um, yeah, but is, they are a, a lovely couple. There are some really great episodes mm. about them. Like there's the episode where Fry gets worms in his stomach that make him a smarter, healthier, yeah. more attractive <laughs> version of himself. <laughs> And Leela falls in love with that and he rejects the worms because he wants her to fall in love with him, which is quite a sweet idea. And it then elongates the will they want, won't they? Because obviously when he's not got the worms in, he messes up and says something about how he used to date Amy and she liked something. So yeah, it, it has a number of sweet episodes of them, but then it pulls it back and yeah, by the end, they are a couple, but I'll see how they do it in the next batch. Like, maybe they'll be an actual couple. Maybe they'll just, we'll get to the point in Friends where Monica and Chandler are together and they're going to have kids and all this other stuff. Maybe yeah. they'll have kids in the last 10 years. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. I, I'm really curious to see where it all picks up. Um, I think that'll be the final season, right, for this? Maybe. I mean, I, I thought the last one was the final season, so, like, I think... True. I think, in a way, this is something that Matt Groening loves and has... Clearly what he wants to do, he's never quite done, which is why it keeps coming back is because sure. he clearly loves this. And the Simpsons, he was, he's, he's, he's left the Simpsons and he's gone off to do other things. He's clearly happy for the mm. Simpsons to exist. Whereas this seems to be that him and the other creatives want to come back to this, want it yeah. to come back and want to keep telling stories. But again, it's that, that um, sandbox you talked about. It's the fact mm. it's the entire universe at their disposal. They can go to any planet, they can create any planet they want. They can explore sci-fi ideas. They can do all this stuff in here and it makes sense. Whereas The Simpsons, you have to keep it fairly rigidly to a family unit of four Mm. living their life. And yes, they get up to escapades, Mm. but it's fairly rigid in that sense. Whereas this is, as long as you include Fry, Leela and Bender and a few of the others, you can, you can do what you want. Like they can go off and join the army and fight bouncing balls of... (laughs) I don't even want the balls made of, but they can fight bouncing yeah. balls. Yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah, you can do anything with them. Yeah. It's, that's true. That's very true. And they, they work well as a unit. And yeah, I feel like the chemistry of all those characters is is great. And 
And even when you sort of take them and then pair them up with the others, I quite like what you get. So I'm trying to remember now because I've got the list in front of me. You've got Amy's a pretty consistent one, I'd say. Amy, mm-hmm. Amy Wong, I thought initially sort of a bit of a side character would drop in every now and then. And I feel like they dragged her in a bit more. And same with Hermes. Like, it feels like those guys got a bit more to do. And yeah, I, I quite liked that and introducing their chemistry and everything. I thought was really cool. Yeah, and it also every now and then we'll give them an episode so like there's a great yeah, episode exactly. where hermes loses like so he's he's the i gonna say diplomat he's not a diplomat he's bureaucrat. a bureaucrat yeah he yeah. is the bureaucrat as part of them and he loses his like not love but he loses the ability to be a bureaucrat so has to go and relearn it yeah and that's a great story and that has a great end song where he's singing about how he wants to be a bureaucrat since he was a child yeah, uh, <laughs> Amy has a relationship with Kiff, who's Zap Brannigan's assistant, and it's I love Kiff. He's, yeah, and it's he's yeah, such it's, a great character. And like, there's a great episode where Kiff gets pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Because of course it's the future, <laughs> and he's an alien. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's Amy grappling with that idea of I don't want to be a mum because I'm in my twenties, and yeah, uh, it resolves itself by being like, no, the as an alien species, they go off for like twenty years now, and as with like tadpoles go and live and yeah. then come back to us. <laughs> Which is great. It's uh, yeah, it's so weird and and sort of creepy that whole thing. But like <laughs> but this is what I love about it, is they just they come up with these weird laws and like in that episode prior, you don't really know a lot about Kiff and his race. So they just have a lot yeah. of fun playing with that idea because he's kind of an amphibious alien, so they just lean into that quite heavily and like you say, play with some really interesting themes, definitely, for her character and I even find their whole relationship I thought was really sweet, you know, like yeah. he's such an unassuming character and he's, you know, literally at the butt of um, Zap Granigan for most of the time. And-, and he's also, he's great to have him play off. So he is, the way he's played is very yeah. different from Zap. Zap is brash yeah. and macho and, and ridiculous, whereas Kiff is a sweet soul. Yeah. And that's all it is. He's a sweet soul and it's mm. kind of this like, different perspectives on masculinity. Kiff is yes. masculine, but in a way that's really different. Um, sir, I don't go out on many dates, and um, what if I can't think of anything to say? Here's my personal book of pickup lines. Say as many of them as you can as fast as you can. Don't stop for any reason. Maybe I'll just give her these flowers. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And what's that? Candy? Candy's for dorks. Give me that. Mm-hmm. that's true yeah no they then they do a lot with like because it's gone on for seven or eight seasons they do a lot with supporting characters so like mm. there's nibbler who is initially oh. the pet that um <laughs> leela picks up on a planet <laughs> but then it, he basically they tie everything into the fact that fry is the most important person in the entire universe yeah because he has a brainwave that can't be read because he's too stupid it's a backhanded compliment um yeah nibbler voiced by the incredible frank welker like yeah just that empowering voice like it's a great use of that character prior to that just a weird little like monkey creature that just sort of (laughs) would scramble around and do dark matter poos and sort of you're like okay this is weird and fun and then yeah in one episode like you say it all ties together and yeah, he's like, no, Fry, you're the chosen one and stuff like that. And you're like, where did this come from? <laughs> but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And it works. It's just, yeah, you don't, you don't question it. Hello, pizza delivery for uh, Icy Wiener. Oh, crud. 
gotcha. I don't understand. Yes, you do. You came back in time to knock me into that freezer, and now I came back in time to stop you. I did not come back in time. My people lacked that ability. But I know you in the future. I, I cleaned your poop. Quite possible. We live long and are celebrated poopers. You will meet me when I'm a thousand years older. Not if you don't freeze me. Please. Our sages foresee that in a thousand years, for one moment, the fate of the universe will depend on you. There is a willingness that comes from even the first episode for the creatives to be like, we're going to do this. You got to keep up with us. It, you know, yeah. it, it might get a bit silly. You might get this weird nibbler character becoming important and and like one of the elders of the yeah. entire universe something like that mm. or other ridiculous ideas but if you keep up with it you'll have fun and that's that's why i love it it's because if we all keep up with it we do have a lot of fun with this show yeah yeah and it sort of it kind of nicely sets in i feel like nothing's too too groundbreaking if that makes any sense like there's a lot of episodes where it feels like the entire lore of the show just changes in one episode mm it just becomes a new normal and they just move on and like there's there's no like you know characters struggling to adjust or anything it's just kind of like oh, okay nibbler's like a secret like you say guardian of the galaxy kind of and thing. then they You're don't like, talk about it for a couple of it. seasons and it'll yeah. come back in at one point oh okay yeah that thing and they all just, and like, they just roll with it they're like yeah sure <laughs> and i think they're more as the people on the show are more willing to explore like sci-fi concepts within an mm. episode and then leave it so like there's uh, there's time keeps on slipping, which is where mm. time starts jumping, and yeah, uh, because of chromosomes, maybe. The sky, or I think there's like there's yeah. like these particles that yeah. they've taken to grow some clones. It's a whole thing, yeah. But um, and so basically, just like that idea of time jumping and jumping and jumping is really well played, and it's played. What if it's done to individuals? So you yeah. see some kids complaining about old people getting money to them jumping to old people complaining that they want money and all this stuff <laughs> yeah. and they have good jokes uh and one of the reasons i love this episode is because it's really silly and rompy right up until its last moments which is that mm. uh fry has worked out how he can show Lila he loves him which is that he moves the stars for her with some ray gun yeah. they have and it is this sweet beta ends on an, and i i think like futurama has like free modes which is is mm. romp where ridiculous things are happening like fry is drinking 100 cups of coffee throughout an episode and getting yeah. more and more frantic until he becomes essentially a god becomes yeah. like this ball of energy yeah that uh <laughs> frees himself from time it has these kind of complicated sci-fi ideas so like there's that they can be stuck in a time loop or that they can be trapped in a time machine that's going through forward round and round and round and round and round in time Mm. And then it has like the character beats where it becomes um, moving and emotionally deep and rewarding. And there are episodes of this that make me cry because of mm. how they handle certain emotional beats. Because again, at its heart is that kind of man being ripped from time quality yeah. that is a tragedy for people. And it's this unresolved um, aspect to the show that just they come back to it and go, oh yeah, but you know, Fry is from a thousand years ago and there were people and animals there that loved him. Yeah. And this is the impact that they had. I mean, I feel like we can't talk about that without referencing Seymour. Oh yeah. And Jurassic Bark is a perfect example of this where yeah. they find the fossilized remains 
of his dog Seymour. I'm trying not to cry because it is it is like it one or two is, or three episodes of a show that will make me cry. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's And so we basically oh, get to the end of this show of this episode and Fry is going to get his dog back via by a clone, but realizes that is that Seymour lived for twelve years after he went away. Mm. And so he assumes that Seymour had a life outside of him. And then uh, the cruel <laughs> that this show are, they uh, give yeah. us like this montage to uh, um a song that's basically something like I will wait. Yeah. And it's Seymour waiting and like he mm. waits outside the pizzeria that Fry worked at until he dies. And it's like, Jesus Christ, that's, <laughs> that's such a dark idea. But it makes sense because like oh. every time we kind of go back to people who knew Fry. So like there's mm. the luck of the Fryrish, which is about it becomes about Fry's brother and how he named his son after Fry. And then we obviously yeah. had that that one about his mum and him not mm. being able to have that final conversation with his mum. And it's just this it doesn't linger on it, but it mm. does give you episodes like Jurassic Bark, which is mm. one of the saddest like Mm. kickers it's it's a bit like so there's an episode of scrubs where brendan fraser's mm. in it and yep, 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 he yep. spends the entire episode talking to just one character which is dr cox yeah and then it gets right up to the point and again i want to cry because yeah oh my God, we, we, we covered gets, this and yeah it is <laughs> heartbreaking yeah and it's just i really admire sitcoms that can do that can do like yeah an emotional punch like mm. i have issues of how i met your mother and how it kind of went but there's an early episode where uh, we find out that Marshall's dad, dad has died. Dies. Yeah. And oh. it's like this ridiculous episode <laughs> that just ends on this being like, oh. I'm sad now. Uh, do you know what makes that episode so much worse? I had uh, the pleasure of Ryan Strike coming on talking about that. And I watched it after we had a discussion about that episode, rewatched it, I should say. And there's a countdown in that episode. And, you, and once you spot it, you cannot unsee it. And uh, it gives you so much anxiety when you watch that episode because you just you could see it getting lower and lower and lower in the background or in like people are holding clipboards and it's got like number five written on it and you're like yeah. oh god and it's getting closer and then that gut punch happens or like you say the one with Scrubs um, I talked about recently Fresh Prince you know in the episode where his dad walks out and it's just like you said it's something that I think a good show a good sitcom in particular can do is I feel like comedy writers understand drama really well as well. And like you say, Futurama is no exception. Jurassic Park. You just you describing it, I was literally tearing up. So just like at, we're both dog owners, so it's like anyone anyone who's had a dog owner. I mean, I I don't mind saying on this podcast, I've fortunately lost a dog this year, and mm. it was the most heartbreaking day of my life. And so yeah, it's any, any episodes like that of shows, I'm just like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I just have to walk away because <laughs> it's like I can't I can't handle it right now <laughs> it's that emotional um connection we have to animals and in yeah. particular dogs I find but yeah I, I find that American TV shows are better than British ones because they're longer and they have more episodes and they build up these characters and so the really good ones are very willing to have these beats that are just devastating and Futurama yeah. does it a couple of times never as good as Jurassic Park I'll be honest Jurassic Park True. is yeah if not my favorite episode because it's not my favorite I think it is the best the show has ever been yeah because yeah. It's, but it, because it ends so sadly I can't be like I'm gonna watch Jurassic Park whereas yeah. I'd rather just watch the one where they they get yeah. $300 and fried drinks out of um coffee or the one where he goes back <laughs> in time 
and becomes yeah. his own grandfather. Like those are like yeah fun romps. I don't want to watch yeah. the one where he's like leaving, doesn't get yeah. his dog back because he assumes his dog has out has moved on from him and his dog never did. And it's like, yeah. oh goodness. Yeah, it's like you said, it's it's those moments that writers I think take to just yeah really hammer the nail in (laughs) like yeah you admire those episodes and you go oh that's so good you're like gonna rewatch it not a chance no because i don't want to (laughs) cry i don't want to just sob for 20 minutes afterwards i have rewatched it a couple of times maybe twice this year because oh brave i think i well i think what i did was i watched the star trek one i was like i'm gonna watch that jurassic bark episode oh you know that was a lot and then when it yeah. got to the rewatch, I watched it and I was like, oh, this is still a lot, this is still upsetting. Yeah. It doesn't get any less upsetting. No, it doesn't. That's a, yeah, every time you think, oh, maybe I'll be, no, no. <laughs> but again, I argue, Mark of a great show. They, they know how to do those moments. And, mm-hmm. and you're right, it, it makes sense as well in the context of Fry's character, as that is a beat that keeps coming back a lot. And yeah, I remember that episode you mentioned with um, what would have been his nephew, you know, becoming an astronaut. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. That was like a really cool twist in that episode. And and it was lovely because all the information we had prior to that about him and his brother was, you know, they, they kind of just, they were brothers, you know, like he was always winding him up and they sort of didn't have that close a bond. So when you find that out at the end, it's like, oh, oh, that's so lovely. Uh, it's a really good representation of siblings. I have brothers yeah. and we have complicated relationships, but we love each other and uh they would leave an impression if digital fry and zapped themselves a thousand years into the future like yeah absolutely it would leave an impression and and Mm. the show doesn't linger too often on it because i think it might break it if it keeps going back to this like true point because we we as viewers don't really want it that often because we like that fry's in the future we like that he's come to the future because it's the entire like set up for the show is this person's come to the future and so everything fun that comes from it, every escapade they have everything they do comes from this point but it is brave enough to go well sure he came from the future but there were still people who loved him back there and even though he is happy and excited he came it's still that lingering it's still that loneliness that is a part of the character that comes in every now and then and he is still lonely the same way that Leela yeah. is lonely because she doesn't know who she is and she doesn't know where she's come from. And it's, again, it has these kind of points in a way that other shows might not and other shows might overplay it. So like, mm. I, this show is comparable to something like Rick and Morty and Rick and Morty wouldn't yeah. arguably exist without this because Rick and Morty True. is another sci-fi sitcom animation that is given free range within its ideas and has a similar kind of crazy science ideas are explored. But Whereas I think there's a sweetness to Futurama, whereas I think yeah. there's this kind of like warmth to it. I find yes. I mean, I've seen all of Rick and Morty, and I do like it, but I find it cold. It's and very cynical. cynical, yeah, and yeah. It leaves a sour taste. And I think that's intentional, mm. but fairly often Futurama leaves a sweet taste in your mouth. It leaves you yeah. feeling elated and happy, and without foregoing the fact you can explore what capitalism is or what's. Mm. Uh, what our society is like it can have a character like mum who is great <laughs> but terrifying <laughs> and it can play in this idea that well, you know what if a capitalist looks like a sweet old mm. lady and knows she's looks like that and is playing mm. that 
and is evil. And what if you had Nixon as the president, which yeah. happens about halfway through the first run? Like, what does that mean? What does it mean for a world where Nixon comes back, which is a terrifying prospect because yeah. we're both British, but we also know that Nixon was not a good egg. So No, <laughs> no not, not a nice dude. No. <laughs> but yeah, so that it, it doesn't forego its um, spikier aspects. It's, it's yes. um, critiques of the world mm. by remaining sweeter than other shows. Yeah, that's true. And like you said, it's it's this idea of like history repeating itself as well, which I find quite funny. <laughs> like like you said, yeah. like quite literally putting Nixon in his that them just really going for it. Um yeah, really really fun ideas like that. But as you say, a sort of a a very warm centre to it all. Um and even like you said, the connection that Fry and Leela have is one of kindred spirits and that neither mm. one feels like they belong, you know, and, and they explore that aspect. But like you said, and on the other side of it, they've also got these really biting criticisms of of capitalism, politics, and whatever else. And yeah, and they can have fun with both. That's the thing. It's it's a show that I'd argue is quite well balanced in that way, and and a lot deeper than some people might give it credit for. I think at a glance, yeah, the balancing act here is is fantastic. It is those episodes that are fun romps that become something sadder, or it romps that become more and more about exploring a sci-fi idea mm. and i mean like you mentioned references and to have those references feed in and then have those references become a recurring joke so like there's yeah. the is it the scary door is that the name of their twilight zone um, yeah i think so yeah there's like a Was version tales of, of interest is that the one there's tales so there's tales of interest <laughs> which is like there's two of those and those are like yeah. kind of uh, the what if machine that's right yeah yeah they're like uh, really fun like uh it's a triptych of tales so like we get like what if Leela was more confident and it turns out she'd just kill everyone yeah she's a psychopath yes yeah. <laughs> comes what if bender becomes human and it, it's that he just drinks and eats to excess and dies yeah. <laughs> um, all those kind of things and yeah. um it's not a, yeah it's the references are built in but also become recurring jokes and become recurring ideas and yeah the the complexity of the show is 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 wonderful it really is um and yeah and i, and I love all the sort of even to come back to the similar like the, the satire and the parodies they work really well like you mentioned the star trek one is really fun because it's just it's an excuse to get all that cast together again to do like something that's obviously a bit of a parody on star trek itself but also quite a harsh criticism of the of toxic fandom and and, and stuff like very that. early on in like um I guess what is one of the narratives of like the mm. last 20 years and yeah. film and TV, which is that fans are monsters because mm. yeah. we are monsters. We yeah. <laughs> you give us anything. We'll ask for more. Like yep. any, any number you throw at anything, anything that Star Wars does or DC does as soon as they've done it, we go, great. Mm. We want this now. We want this restore this. Give us this. We want this now. And like, yeah. to have that in Futurama fairly early on, even yeah. you know, when the internet exists, but isn't, as ubiquitous as it is now and mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 because wasn't a point of that kind of a, a sort of interesting side of that episode and it was quite a funny joke but also quite an interesting observation is you've got that character the big cloud who's saying he's like the biggest fan ever he's watched all the episodes blah 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 and then he, he ends up arguing with like the uh with the stars who are right in front of him about the meaning of the show and of episodes and when like they're trying to talk him down off a ledge he's like getting more irate and <laughs> i was just laughing and like yeah that's 
like you say, that's so ahead of the curve in terms of what fandom has become. And it's yeah. like early doors, they've, they've clocked onto it. And like you say, now the internet has just fortunately taken the clouds of this world and <laughs> they're just everywhere. Yeah, they're all together as one giant cloud, yeah. it turns out. And I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm nervous for this, this show to come back because... Yeah, yeah. Arguably, its most popular point is the first run. And then... Yes. Everything since has retained fans, but become less and less popular. And I'm not sure mm. if it coming back 10 years after the fact, mm. I don't know what it will resemble. Whereas there are shows like South True. Park and Simpsons that have been on constantly. Mm. Uh, lost fans, gained fans, but they've been on constantly. So they've kind of evolved positively and negatively with the time. So yeah, who knows what true. we'll get when we get Futurama back. Yeah, I'll, watch, I'll watch every single episode because, you know, it's your trauma. But. Who knows, man? It could be a bonus episode in the future. Keep that in your diary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I find that fascinating. I was just thinking about other parodies. One of my absolute favourites was uh, the Willy Wonka parody with Slurm. I thought was <laughs> so funny on so many levels. Like, yeah. It's another thing as well they do, which a lot of comedies do. They can do musical beats very well. They have some great musical numbers, and that's that's an episode that showcases quite a few with, you know, like one that leaps out to me is obvious riffing on the whole um umpa lumpa, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, and they yeah, they can easily become a musical like there's um they have the devil in this, and the devil seems to sing a lot of songs. So he that, pops yeah, up. Robot devil, yeah. Robot it. devil pops in. <laughs> um, and yeah, look, the, the Slurn one is great because the punchline is that Slurn is the um, is produced by a, a hideous worm-like creature. Yeah. And <laughs> Fry stops them from telling everyone, or at least undermines the evidence because he's so addicted to it. So like... Yeah. <laughs> The punchline is, even though it's made by um, a hideous worm producing it, it doesn't matter. It still tastes good. And like they have yeah. like a great like beat of what if it's made from people and actually Soylent Green exists in this world and yes. it depends on the person. <laughs> yeah, that was like, yeah, it's the final line, isn't it, of the episode? Yeah, how does yeah. it taste? Different from person to person. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's great. And, and the, and like you say, from then on in that in that universe, you see like Slurm pop up every now and then as well. Yeah, and it just it just stays in canon, and no one addresses it. No one's ever like, "Hang on, don't you remember that time?" It just doesn't need to be referenced. It's just standalone. It's fine. Absolutely. Brilliant. And I mean, I think we as people would just do it if we found out. True. Like, I mean, if I found out the truth you, about it, yeah, if I found out the truth behind Coke, if Coke <laughs> was made by like I don't know. It's the waste product of some animal. I'd probably still drink Coke because I like the taste of Coke. So, yeah. what are you going to do? I like Coke. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm never going 12 minutes without a slurm again. It's the end of the line. This must be where they put in the secret ingredient. Well, whatever it is, it's even better fresh. Mmm. Still warm. <gasps> Fry! <sighs> Fry! Again, it's it's quite good observation and sort of biting satire of 
us. <laughs> and it comes back to that theme, I think, of, again, of like nothing really changes, you know, a thousand years on. And yeah. Things are still more or less the same in that way. And it's just about the trappings change. And that's... Yes. One of the joys of Futurama is the trappings are so much fun. Like the the world around them, the gadgets they have, the... Mm. like, And we've talked a bit about aliens, but the fact that they have like aliens that are not... That are balls of gas or are blobs or yeah. are bouncing balls. And uh, it frees itself from... Because there are so many episodes and so many variants of aliens, they can look however they want to look. And it's mm. like we get this great early episode where there's this cricket that's able to transform itself to look like yeah. other species. And it's it's just that willingness to have this huge sandbox that lets them do what they want and they do what they want with it. Like so Yeah. We do get the cool gadgets, we do get the cool cars, we do get the cool spaceships. Often with a joke. They often have a joke linked to them, which is lovely. Um mm. Yeah, they just yeah, it's great exploring its own world. Yeah, and it's, it feels I think to that extent every episode feels fresh, right? Because you just you never quite know what's going to come up next and what concept they're going to play with. And I'm just thinking about it. I don't know if I've ever seen an episode where I thought like, uh, you know, they usually there's usually something really fun about it. Mm. Like so, you'll have your absolute standouts, but then for the most part, it's, I'd say it's pretty consistent. Yeah, I found myself. Um... I do think that the straight to DVD films are mm. weaker because they have to have an, a connecting narrative. And it's right. I think it's the, one of the strengths of the show is that it has 20 minutes to tell its story of that episode. And some of the episodes have so much plot and so much going on that 20 minutes is not even enough time, but they use it. They use every gotcha. second they have. And I found myself going, Oh, I think it's this whilst watching it. I said to my partner, I think that this is, it's gone off the boil. And she was like, how many episodes are there before this? And I was like, 72. And it's like, you're complaining because it's a show that's had a 72 episode run that's got some slightly weaker episodes for you. And, oh yeah. And then I watched the rest of them. I was like, oh no, actually it's fine because when they got back to how they were, they're still all great. So there's a, yeah. Yeah. It's an it's, it's 150 episodes or so. And I would say 145 of those are incredible. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing hit, right? So yeah, I, I like you. I'm a little nervous to see what's coming back but at the same time do you know what given it's been 10 years given it's the cast coming back and everything yeah. i think i like to think and hope that they're not doing it just for a simple cash grab that they've got an idea of how they want to you know continue the story or indeed wrap it up who knows mm-hmm. and like it feels less like so i remember watching rest development when it came back to netflix mm. i've never finished it oh okay Fair which enough. can kind of say my thoughts on it and i just remember it feeling less effective because clearly they couldn't get the whole cast back all the time. And so they had to give it this kind of strange, complicated narrative where some, some, some characters are in at some points and others are in other points and not really a problem when you've got an animation like this and you can just yeah. do the voice cast whenever the voice is cast is available. So yeah, True. one lives in hope that it will be a return back to what I really like about the show. And as long as it keeps having those kind of, fun episodes science episodes and also emotional episodes like even right up until its final episode it has that emotional beat of watching the characters we've followed for so long finally live their life together um it yeah i'm sure it'll work touch wood <laughs> <laughs> i i'd hope so yeah i think as long as the chemistry's there and if, like you said, they've got everybody back and what have you. It's it's fine. I mean, it is a long time between drinks, so to speak. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But 
Yeah, I mean, the return, I thought, was, like you say, it was pretty good. And and yeah, like, there's, like, episodes, like, there's one called The Prisoner of Bender, which is yeah. a fairly late-on one, which is where they're swapping uh, between, but they're doing body swaps, but they can't swap back. So they have to keep using, like, an additional body to swap between. And it right. gets more and more expansive, and they get a sentient uh, bucket involved at one point, and <laughs> things like that. And it's um, yeah, it's still really capable. And there's also like a, a fairly late on murder mystery one set on. There's like this killer alien that comes and starts killing them all off, and then it turns out that it's just an exercise as part of team building, and it's not really yeah. a killer worm and anything like that. So they are like the second half of the show still has these like episodes that that hit the high marks. Um, but I mean, like, I think the first run is unimpeachable and has yeah. these incredible episodes and does things that popular culture is now doing. So there's the Farnsworth Paradox, which is a multiverse episode. And mm. while there are other multiverse episodes before this point, this is like the one I'm like, now, if you want to most understand what a multiverse is, it's the one where they get a box and another box and they've got yeah. universes in it. And in the last five minutes, they create an infinite number of boxes, an infinite number of universes. And some of them, they are bubble heads. Some of them they don't have eyes. Some of them they are. I'm trying to think what there is. Robots. Yeah. And that's and like when I was watching Doctor Strange two, I was like, no, but just do it like that. Just take me to universes <laughs> yeah. that are strange and different. Yeah, it's like guys, guys. Futurama did this ten years, well, more than ten years ago. <laughs> like just. Yeah, Futurama has done it and did yeah. it pretty well. Even a hippie strange would have been interesting to see for five minutes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love Eve, that little interaction. Get a job. <laughs> oh, quick, into another box. There aren't any in this universe, there aren't. Hey, you, what with the no boxes? Baby, they're somewhere. Everything's like somewhere. Place is kind of all natural right now. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Gotcha! Dig it! All of you fitting in this box is like seriously freaked up. Nonsense! Why, there's a whole universe in there! Dude, there's a universe in all of us. Right on, Professor Freaksworth! Get a job! I love Farnsworth just in general as a character. I think it's great. Just, I mean. Yeah, this surly old man, and it's. Yeah. All the jokes in there about surly old people, but yeah. played really well. And then it's like every now and then remind you that actually he is much younger than Fry, and Fry is his like yeah. great 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 something or other uncle. How many mm. greats it is? That's who Fry is. And yeah, yeah, and also like this like things like having a, a a world where when you hit a certain age, you get farmed off and put in a planet and yeah. plugged into a computer, and that's your retirement. And, I'm like, well, that's horrifying, but also would mean fewer old people. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't think we were going there today, but okay. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I, I love, again, all this camaraderie, all of the different, all of them just coming together. The whole Planet Express team is just so much fun. And yeah. even the vehicle for them to have adventures is quite fun. It's just a delivery service and... But it's a cool yeah. spaceship, and it's it like a cool spaceship. I mean, harking back to like yeah. sci-fi of the fifties, like yeah, yeah, seeing those there, there, and there is that to it. There is this quality to Futurama that it's like looking back to what was the future fifty years ago. Like, so mm. their spaceships, some of them will be designed like you'd see in some vision of the future from the fifties, and yeah. um, 
all that stuff. Like, and it's quite clear that the people writing this, drawing this, are so uh, ingrained in what sci-fi has been. Yes. And that's one of the reasons I love it is because they have, like, I learn about references as I watch it again, or like, mm. I'll see something, oh yeah, that's from Futurama. But no, it's not. You did this, <laughs> this is from 40 years ago. So just Futurama saw this film mm-hmm. and put it in at one point. Yeah. And again, that's, that's kind of, that to me was the magic of The Simpsons in its golden run. They were doing that. They were pulling from things. Yeah, it's like the best when... stuff in pop culture and mixing it in. So yeah, Futurama definitely doing the same thing. It's like when the Simpsons do the birds with the babies right. and the nursery, and it's when when the Simpsons references Hitchcock or Kubrick or any of that, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in my happy place. And that yeah. didn't stay with the Simpsons, but it stayed with Futurama because it's part of Futurama's DNA. It's part of the mm. show. Yeah, yeah, and they just have a lot of fun doing it. I just I was thinking about ans- uh, ancillary characters. Are there any sort of ones that stand out to you? I mean, you mentioned like Nibbler, for example, who I absolutely adore. One that just leaped out to my mind, Lur from Omicron, Percy <laughs> I8. Yeah, it's this like hilarious. Him, there's him. Who is the, um, who's the host? Um, there's the really angry alien who's the host of their like yes. morning TV show, like their news. And I forget his name. And he keeps screaming, I will destroy you. Um, and it's like... Morbo. There's a bit, yeah, he is great. And there's a bit when his co-host <laughs> says something about windmills and he screams her, that's not how windmills work. And then says, good night. And that sticks in my head as like... And I think, <laughs> I think it's when they're really hot. And like, she's yeah. like, oh, maybe those windmills will uh, cool us down. And he goes, that's not how windmills work. Direct your pity now to the African turtles seen here migrating to cooler homes in Holland. Morbo wishes these stalwart nomads peace amongst the Dutch tulips. I'm sure those windmills will keep them cool. Windmills do not work that way! Good night! It's things like that. It's the Amazonians are a great, great (laughs) characters. And they only pop up for an episode, but they pop in every now and then. Yeah. Ah, what else do I love? Um... I kind of really love like the episodes only in like an episode, like the characters only in like an episode. So like the uh, neutrals, yeah, Brannigan hates, and yeah. they are bland and grey and as neutral as can be. Uh, and when they interact with people, when they interact with our characters, it's great. Like, but I mean, one of my favourite supporting characters is Brannigan because he is he's so, so much fun, and he is yeah. he, he's used uh, fleetingly. But yes. well, like they use him every now and then. He's not in a huge number of episodes, but when he is, it's really funny. I love Scruffy. Mm. Scruffy is part of the Planet Express team, but doesn't really do much. He's the janitor and he's lazy and that's yeah. his entire thing. And he pops in every now and then and that's it. And he he's never like, I feel like with Amy and Hermes, they get more and more a part of the yeah, group. Definitely. Whereas Scruffy is kept on the sideline. I love the uh, whale biologist who hates whales who's in yes, uh, 300 big boys and they, he tells them how terrible yeah. whales are. And I think whales are terrifying. I mean, I think they're <laughs> big and terrifying. So I'm on his side. Um, and yeah, it's Love just it. that kind of like vibe to Futurama that mm. is so well done. It's, it's those incidental characters will pop in, leave an impression, then go. I'd like a pass to swim with Mushu, please. Well, you asked the right guy. I'm the whale biologist. Though personally, I hate whales. Especially Mushu. Then why'd you become a whale biologist? I don't know you well enough to get into that. 
$300, please. Noon tomorrow. If you're late, you only get to tread water in the scallop tank. Um, I love how they use the heads and jars, how we get famous people like Nixon, like Leonard Nimoy yeah. in. And like they have like presidents of the United States and things like that. And there's the, the, there's those kind of playing on like personas through the 20th and 19th century of America that's yeah. done really well. And really, it's really funny when they do it. And they didn't do it too often. That's true. Yeah, I seem to remember an episode even with like Lucy Liu, for example, who's in the head in a jar. And I think there's a whole episode where her body's being like cloned onto robots. And it's quite a fun concept. You know, yeah. it's kind of a riff yeah. on like Napster and stuff like that. And it's, you know, that's the whole punchline. But a great excuse to bring in Lucy Liu, who would have been, you know, a, quite a big star at that time as well. And it, and it fits. It, you're not questioning it in the episode. You're just yeah. watching it going, yeah, this is quite a fun concept with a really good cameo in it. And then we get Sigourney Weaver is the voice of the ship for an episode and yes. she falls in love with Bender and that's yeah really well played. Um, yeah, and it gets it like, obviously like Lucy Liu and Sigourney Weaver have been their own share of sci-fis and kind yeah. of um, have left. So it, it gets like royalty in, like mm. famous people from sci-fi pop into this show yeah. and kind of send up their image sometimes. Yes. And it has fun with it, like... And to get it back to that very first episode that got me back in time to watch in the mm. Star Trek one, uh, like um, Shatner sends up himself. Yeah. Like talks about how, well, when I directed this Star Trek, I got a great performance for myself. After Leonard Nimoy says, when I directed this film, I got great performance from everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, I love that. I love that they're not, they're not afraid to sort of lampoon guests a little bit. And again, it's something we talked about with The Simpsons where it felt like, that was where it made sense. You know, they had a bit of fun with their guest stars and they would poke fun at them and they, and they yeah. would just go along with the ride, you know? And yeah, again, Futurama very much keeps up with that. Like, okay, you're going to come on, but we're going to poke fun at you a little bit. And obviously it's done in a way where the guests would have just gone, yeah, all right. And they just would have rolled with it. And it works for the episode. Again, it leans into the silly tone and everything. I think it's awesome. Absolutely. One that I just spotted on the list, I'm going to quick look through was um, Calculon. Talking about like Shatner yeah. and actors like yeah. that, like overly dramatic TV actors. It's like, what a brilliant idea. Make it into a robot, you know. <laughs> so, Calculon, do you want to set up this clip from all my circuits? No, I think it's self-explanatory. Funny story, the script called for me to say yes, but I gave it a little twist. There is a world of TV out there that it has TV within itself, and Calculon yeah. is central to that because he is yeah. in All My Circuits, which is this hilariously terrible sit, uh, not sitcom, uh, soap that they all watch, they all love, and yeah. Bender is obsessed with it. But then you get things like Hypnotoad, which is just yeah. a toad of hypnotic eyes, and that's the most popular show in the entire um universe yeah but also they get like they'll like comment on their own shows so they'll comment about all my circuits or hypnotoad mm. they'll comment about how hypnotoad has gone downhill even though it's the exact same thing that's always yeah. been hypnotoad <laughs> which is a toad hypnotizing them we now join america's most popular show already in progress everybody loves hypnotoad this show's been going downhill since season three 
Uh, the other thing is that because they're robots as well as aliens, there are robots, and so yeah. you get all those like. What's the name of the chap who stabs them all? There's um, a friend of Bender's oh, who. Stabbing uh, knife. Yeah. yeah, him. He <laughs> pops in, and there's a great episode where Fry um, gets put in, in a robot mental asylum and yeah. has to basically um, be convinced, so to speak, that he's a robot, yeah. and he is one of his uh roommates as is a robot that explodes when he's excited and things like that and it's like yeah. again that sandbox they have fun with the supporting characters they have fun with aliens with robots with humans mm. all these things they can do with it is great um yeah they can have like roseanne at one point be a hologram and come in and give them information yeah in a roseanne kind of way yeah it's just yeah it's it's, it's great for that as a show i just looked it up it's roberto was the name <laughs> Roberto, and yeah. yeah, he pops in a couple of episodes. Again, he he's like this character that comes back in every now and then and is always kind of intense yeah. and, and just like it plays his part really well. <gasps> Hi, Red. Roberto, what are you doing here? I got busted robbing that bank again. Why would you hold up the same bank twice? Ah, that first time was just a case to joint and rob it a little. What's the matter? You scared? Noticeably? I'll say. Now stand back, I gotta practice my stabbing. Ha ha! No! Please! Help! Stop it! Police! Hey, keep it down in there! I'm tooting my banjo! Jeez, Red, quit cowering. You call yourself a robot? Yeah, and I, I love that idea of all playing with that, with the robots of like, you think, well, they have their purpose built. And it's a way of just kind of, I guess, making fun of stereotypes or things like that. And yeah, in a really clever and interesting way. And they will have their own society and you'll have their own function. And like you say, you mentioned like the robot devil, which implies that there's a robot hell. And yeah. like, it's weird stuff like that, that they come up with, which again, it's just never questioned. It happens and they just move on. And it's a ton of fun. And it's, I think it just fleshes out the series so much so that, Again, you never know what you're in for for the next episode, and you're just excited to see where yeah, the next one absolutely. goes. And yeah, it's a show that now we've been talking a lot about it. And ever since you suggested it, I've been thinking, yeah, I need to go back and rewatch this. Um, Taskmaster is currently ruining my life, so I'm going through that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Thank you, Simon. I mean, Taskmaster is incredible because, yeah. yeah. Uh, what series are you on for Taskmaster? I'm at time of recording. I'm, we've just finished the first Champion of Champions. We're moving on to season six. Uh, so okay. we're a bit behind, but. Yeah, it's, thank you, Simon. That's that's ruined my life. When you get to the James A. Caster, <laughs> my favourite Taskmaster series is the James A. Caster, right? Philip Wang and other amazing people. Rod Gilbert's in that one as well. Yeah, there's loads coming up. We're really looking forward to. <laughs> um, it's so you know, good. There's so much. Like I remember that as part of one of the lockdowns was yeah. that when it came to 4OD or all four, whatever it's called now. Yeah, we just watched them all. Definitely. I mean, again, yeah, Futurama's next on the list, I think. And there's, there's a ton, man. I mean, I've still got sitcoms from last summer that I'm like, I need to get around yeah. to this. I need to pick up and the like, DVDs. Because and... we've got Disney Plus now, you've got all Futurama, you've got all Simpsons, you've got yeah. all Bob's Burgers, you've got all Family Guy, all American Dad, yeah. are just on this platform that I own. Like, I have gone through mm -hmm. Bob's Burgers because of it and never watched it for no oh, That's another one that needs to be an episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking yeah, to and, do that. Yeah, and... It's so good. It is 
Futurama is part of this movement of American animation of a certain point. And yeah, I haven't really talked about it on my podcast. I've done an episode on The Simpsons and that's it. Mm. And I've, I don't really do TV because there's too much TV to do. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, you're a busy guy enough as it is. You just, <laughs> yeah, there's just, yeah. there's too much TV. It's not possible. But it, it, I find it fascinating, like that kind mm. of like from that 90sness of Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon of right. uh, Dexas Lab and um johnny bravo and ren and yeah. stimpy we got into the simpsons and then to this and then into the kind of movement of animation we have now and they all kind of feels like this movement going through american animation mm. on tv this is a key part of it. it's a key part of and there's almost this permission structure this show gives to creatives to just go off and be a bit more bold and be a bit more Definitely. out there yeah like yeah. I as agree. i say I don't think Rick and Morty would ever exist without this. There's a show called Solar Opposites, which wouldn't exist because of Rick and Morty, so it wouldn't exist because of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, something like Family Guy wouldn't exist without this and The Simpsons, same with Bob's True. Burgers. And, and Yeah. Like, I mean, there are others like South Park, so I've been South Park since around yeah. this time. Um, but yeah, I think Futurama is a core part of like this movement through animation that has given me some of my favorite TV shows. Like I love, mm. I love an animated sitcom because it means they can do crazy things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you say, this is one that because of the high, is the high concept nature of it. It could just explore all these things. But as we said earlier, it gets that balance, right? Yeah. And it, it's definitely paved the way for other shows. Like you say, it's like I think of Bob's Burgers. I'm just watched the final episode recently and they're doing a Blade Runner parody. And it makes sense in the universe. And it's like, yeah. again, I, I immediately thought the same thing. I was like, I feel like if Futurama wasn't here, that they, they wouldn't have gotten away with this. And it's brilliant, right? It's brilliant. It's sort of, because The Simpsons did a thing of bringing, I would say, more adult animation or family animation to the foreground. But this like took it to the next level of like, okay, you don't just have to keep it grounded. You can yeah. just, you could go out there with it and have fun because that's the nature of animation, right? Is you're supposed to push boundaries and, do things that you couldn't otherwise do live action. Yeah, and so The Simpsons gives the permission structure to adults to watch animation, as does South Park to a lesser extent. And this is that because this has never been as big as when it first started, because when it first started, it was huge because it was the next show from The Simpsons. Then yeah, people kind of peeled off as they watched it. They peeled away because it is more complicated and it is less... Yeah, so because this, because The Simpsons was mum, dad, kids, mm-hmm. always end up in the same house at the end. But this was a lot more like, well, what if we go back in time and do this? What if we do that? What if these odd things happen to these characters where they change genders by a alien? Um, mm. I think that it, it has a trench of fans that have stayed with it and people come in and out of Futurama. Yeah. And in a way, I it's why I might like it more than The Simpsons, because The Simpsons has always been big and has always had people like it and has always had to kind of keep up with trying to keep its audience. It was because Futurama just kind of boiled down to a select couple of million people watching it. Right. It's kind of stayed with what it is, which is Futurama. It's kind of stayed with that kind of balance and that kind of sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's a romp, sometimes it's an emotionally devastating tale of a lost dog sometimes it's like the sci-fi ideas are small like i don't know uh 
subliminal adverts in your dreams make you go off and buy underpants and other times it's big like what if bender became a sort of god yeah (laughs) to small people what if he like got an asteroid what if he ends up floating through space gets an asteroid on him people end up on that and then he ends up talking to god at the end yeah 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 so and and anywhere from there to like you said the more grounded stuff it's anything and that in between it's it's wild it's absolutely wild and yeah I i think for that and many of the reasons we've talked about i think it's if anyone's listening and like they haven't perhaps given it the time of day fully or gone through it, like I'd say, just go for it. If you've got Disney Plus, <laughs> yeah. just do it. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, you're not watching all 30 seasons of The Simpsons, are you? Like, let's just yeah. let's be real. <laughs> and just, yeah, pick a random episode in the first four or five seasons and you're watching, you'll want to watch more of it. Watch, I don't know, Brannigan Begin Again or The Problem mm-hmm. with Poplars or oh, the, Poplars. E- <laughs> the Pilot or. Um, Roswell that ends well or 300 big boys any of those like there are so many in the first like five seasons that you'll be like you know I'm gonna watch more of these I'm just gonna watch a few more and yeah. you'll end up like I did and go through all of them <laughs> yeah this is it and you've, you've got through the lot and then you'll be chomping at the bit for the new one to come out next year absolutely right um I just wanted to ask Russell was there anything else you want to bring up with uh with future armor Anything else? Um, I, I must stress, I mean, I've been slightly down on The Simpsons. I love The Simpsons. There oh, no, are me too. some yeah. amazing episodes of The Simpsons. I just think it's because it's been constant. That's yeah. my critique of it. It's, it's a constant um, and nothing else really. I mean, I think that this is Matt Groening's great work, but I also think Disenchanted is fun enough and he, he can do what he wants because he's a really good creative. Touchwood touchwood he'll be fine and there won't be anything that comes out about him but for now he's great um yeah, yeah absolutely i just thank you for letting me come on and, and talk about the show because my pleasure man i mean it has some of my favorite moments has my saddest tv episode ever mm. which obviously we've talked about yeah it has yeah. great musical numbers like uh, yeah there's so much in this like even with the problem the poplars has a great song in it about has a great theme song for poplars. And then that becomes a really interesting episode about eating animals and yeah. how annoying it, and how annoying it is the people who are entirely anti-eating animal, but also how we're all hypocrites. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's just incredible for that reason. There's so much heart, but so much biting satire and criticism and you get, yeah, I, I'd agree. I think it, that's the way I always pitch to people is like, it has what you love about the Simpsons just wrapped up in a sci-fi concept, which just means that yeah, yeah. you can have more fun with it in my opinion. But I agree with you. That's not, that's not to be down on the Simpsons. Absolutely love it. But yeah. Yeah. And I, I've had to fight not sending, setting up a uh, podcast about Futurama because I'm really, <laughs> well, I, I should just do a, a podcast. And this. I was like, no, no, you're already quite busy. Don't you do are, another, you don't are. Don't do another podcast. It's really, it is a struggle not to set up more podcasts because they're fun to do. <laughs> this is true. So I mean, speaking of, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's take us home. Where, where can the good people find you and your fantastic podcast? Uh, so my podcast is not just for kids. It is my lockdown, um, madness persevering. I set up mm-hmm. during the first lockdown and it has survived i've just finished my musical series which was a lot of fun 
and uh, depending on when this goes out, either it will have started or will be about to start. I'm doing about nine months on animation of the last 20 years. Wow. So we're looking at Aardman, Leica, Cartoon Saloon, Pixar, DreamWorks. You're on for a mm-hmm. doozy of a trilogy of uh, films that DreamWorks on. Probably the best trilogy that DreamWorks has done ever. Mm. The How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, which yeah. I'm very excited to talk about because Likewise. those... Those are beautiful films. They are. But yes, yeah, yeah. so um, wherever you listen to this, go and type in Not Just For Kids and mm-hmm. find a film that you love and there'll be a great chat about it. I get on guests to chat about these great films. So it's not just me talking, it's much, mm-hmm. much more interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a great show, man. I mean, as well, I've noticed there has been some crossover as well with guests recently, which is really cool to see. So people have listened to this, you know. I've got... Um, Two that I've already recorded. So we've got um, one of the chaps from Disneyversity, which if you don't know Disneyversity, uh-huh. it's a great podcast all about Disney done by an academic and one of the critics at Empire. Yes, And they go through right. each yeah, Disney yeah. films. So one of them is coming on to talk about Chicken Run or has come on to talk about Chicken Run. Nice. And then one of your former guests, Mark from Mark and Me, is coming mm-hmm. on to do two episodes. And I have to go off and watch Mac and Me before he comes on for the second episode. So. <laughs> of course. Of course he's doing that to you. <laughs> Mark, I love you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am Russ Loves Movies. I mostly post or repost what I've written or uh, the podcast episodes are recorded. I will every now and then get excited when stuff happens in the world that excites me. Like mm-hmm. at the time of recording, what happened yesterday got me very excited. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of people to talk about there. Yeah. And otherwise, my podcast one is Adults 2 Pod. And that's just, I, I use that mostly to promote my own episodes, plus retreat like mm-hmm. amazing podcasts like yours. And any others that I listen to, like unequal sequels and other amazing yeah. podcasts, I'll retweet them through that because there's so many amazing podcasts out there. Yeah. Yeah, there really are. Yeah, it's you're part of like a nice little, almost like a mini unofficial network we've got going on, I've noticed. Yeah, so weird, yeah. But, well, it's a weird, it's not weird. We all had lockdowns. So we yeah. all, if we lo- we're missing talking to people about films, we all often did our own podcast. And yeah. That, I think is what's happened. But exactly. yeah, there's some amazing ones on. You get some amazing ones on. Like you've Thanks, had man. some amazing episodes lately. Uh, I was listening to your stand-up comedy one the other day. I've got yeah. your Pokemon one lined up. Well, that's a couple of people that you've worked with before. Do the James yeah, they, and Will? Yeah, yeah, they pop in every now and mm. then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I love doing podcasting. I love talking to people about these stuff. Mm. Um, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's one of those like you said, crossover with guests, even topics. And I mean, nine months of animation. It's I'm really looking forward to hearing it. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I am nervous and excited to do it because yeah, but it's like films I have I have no idea why I've not talked about Chicken Run yet or mm. Up or um, oh my goodness yeah so many others like Your Name like Loving Vincent like mm. uh, I'm doing one TV show which is Myra and the Free which is on Netflix and is incredible okay. um, it's by the chapter the Book of Life and it's uh, a Mayan uh, epic. And right. it's just, it came out last year. It's, I've, my daughter watched it on loop five or six times. And right. I was like, I'm really proud of you because this is, this is great. Yeah. You can watch this as much as you want. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, I, my podcast perseveres until I, until I decide to stop. And I know the yeah. end point and I'm not quite there yet. Oh, fair play. Fair play, man. Well, listen, I'll make sure to put links in, same as last time, so people can go and check out. I highly recommend it. And 
yeah, as and when I get to sit down with you and chat about how to train your dragon, which would be a lot of fun, I'll be plugging that away on this feed as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Russ. No, thank you so much. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Russell, for coming back onto the podcast and sharing your love for this truly amazing show. I'm sure all of you guys will agree with me when I say that that was such a fun episode. I had an absolute blast putting that together in the edits, and I have started rewatching Futurama as we discussed. Uh, still working through Taskmaster, and not the least bit sorry about that. But also, I've got another animated show coming up, which I'm starting to dive into, so there's a little bit of sizzle for an episode that'll be out in a few weeks' time. In the meantime, you should go and check out Not Just For Kids, and I'm not just saying that because Russell was kind enough to come onto the show for a second time. It really is a tremendous podcast that I regularly listen to, and you should too. So I've put links in the show notes where you can go and find that, and of course, I will let you guys know when I do appear on the podcast to talk about how to train your dragon, which I cannot wait for. So go and subscribe, go and follow him. He is well worth your time. It is a podcast that absolutely deserves to be supported. And speaking of supporting podcasts, you can support this one. There are a number of ways to do it. The first and absolute best way to do it is simply just to subscribe and follow so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Also, you could tell everyone you know about the podcast so that they can come and check it out as well. You can also leave a five-star review or rating on your favourite podcatcher. It is a fantastic way of supporting podcasts such as this one to make sure that more people can find it in the podcasting charts. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, there are two key ways of doing that. The first is to donate via the coffee page or head over to Tee Public Store and buy merchandise. Anything that you can give to the podcast financially would be greatly appreciated. So if you do that, let me know so I can thank you on the podcast. Right, that's it from me. I'll be back again next week with a brand new episode from a brand new guest on a topic that is actually very timely in fact it lands on a very specific anniversary so i'll leave that with you to see if you can work it out so until then subscribe to not just for kids and subscribe to fundamentals so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes have a great rest of the week and i'll see you next time